Welcome to the Legend Conversation podcast series, a new listening and gathering experience. This interview with Raekwon was recorded live on October 21st, 2021 in Chicago, Illinois at Goose Island's Barrel House. Special thanks to our sponsors, Topo Chico, Puma, Juggernaut, Dark Matter Coffee, Fly, and Closed Sessions. This interview was hosted by me, Alexander Fruchter. Thank you for listening. What's up? What's up? Thanks, everybody, for coming. Um, it's really great to see everybody here. Some of you may have been at previous uh, legendary, legend conversations, um, but the whole point of them is to really celebrate artists and, and creative people that make an impact on whatever field uh, they practice. And so it's amazing to take the next step in the series with an artist who has made an impact uh, culturally through hip hop, music, fashion, culture, uh, currently dominating Twitter conversations with a Hulu show that's, that's killing it. And uh, I'm gonna stop talking and really introduce the man, of the, the man of the hour. A pleasure to have here and have a conversation with Raekwon the Chef. How you doing? Good. Scud Town. One of my favorite cities. What's going on? Yeah, man. I mean, we've talked before. You, you feel like a, a presence in the air when you hit Chicago. What's, what's it like? Like, what do you think of when you think of it's, Chicago? When I, when, I, when I come to Chicago, what I feel is like the brotherhood of New York City. You know, um, every time I come out here, I love to sightsee. You know, you could go down 10 blocks and see like probably like 10 states, you know, um, just the whole ambiance, the trains, the, um, the people, the city vibe, you know, it really feel like New York. Yeah. And um, just the energy, man, you know, when I think about those movies back in the days, you know, I'm a big mafioso fan of, you know, what, the, what was going on back then and I, I just revisit those moments when I come back out here. So um, I remember one time, me and Nas, we was out here, we had stayed in this hotel, and um, we went on this journey. It was like a tour bus trip. And you know, we went to go see like Al Capone spots and you know, all these different mob, mob spots and shit, but it was fun. You know, we just felt like we wanted to get up and go check it out, but it's just, the, it's just the energy out here. I just feel like New York City is right here too, you know? It's kind of like that combo factor. I, I now remember um, you were telling me about you and Nas doing the Gangsters of Chicago tour, and when I booked the Goose Island space, I was like, Ray's gonna love this place. He's gonna, this is the, the spot. It remind me of some shit like that too, though, you know? Um, speaking of like reminding you of things, I know you're on a tour right now with uh, Ghostface, Jizza, and you're all doing uh, debut out your debut albums. Um, I'm curious because we don't. I don't often get to talk to so many artists that have the longevity you have. What is it like to perform a debut album as now? I mean, you were what 20 in your 20, early 20s when you wrote that. Do the words take on a different meaning? Do you have a different relationship with the music? What's it like 
performing those records? You know, when we performing classic, classic music, it's like, it's just a reflection of where we came from. You know, it takes me back to that, you know, getting an opportunity to live out my dreams. You know, something that I didn't never think would ever happen in my life happened, but I had to put in the work. And what I mean put in the work is like, really sit down and make something that I felt in my heart that's gonna resonate with the world. And that album, it pretty much gave me the opportunity to stand high and confident and, and really just say to myself like, wow, yo, you really, you really want this. Now is your time, now is your chance. So when I listen to this album and, and we play these songs, it's almost like it takes me back to when we first started and how important it was. You know, before, I, before my album actually came, you know, we had two other albums already out there. You know, um, Method, well, it was three, I think. It was Into the 36 Chambers, Method Man, and Old Dirty's album. So at that time, Wu-Tang was still building its, you know, its, its brand. And um, all I wanted to do was just make sure that I could add on to the greatness that we was creating at the time. And um, you know, I had my vision. You know, I had a vision what I wanted to to do. At first, it was it was a little a little nervousness. You know, like yo, you getting ready to do your own solo album. You know, because one thing about us back then, we never picked who was going to come out first or whatever the case may be. We, we, didn't, we didn't know who was going to come next. So we always said, yo, we're going to let the fans, we're going to let the people decide who they feel should come next. And when it was my time, it was like I was happy, but then at the same time, I'm like, oh shit, I ain't even ready, like, you know? But um, just the excitement, man, the excitement was just dope. And I think that that's what I get when we get back and start swinging at these songs again. It's just excitement. Do you have any time to, uh, I don't, I'm not fully sure. I know there's parts of the, the show where you're all on stage together, but do you get any time to like sit back and be like, damn, I'm watching Ghostface perform a classic debut album. Damn, I'm watching Jizza right here. Do you get any time for those or is it all just you're, you're lost in the performance of it? Yeah, once we get up there, it's just go in, you know? One thing about us, we still love to do what we do. So just knowing that we out here celebrating three classic albums, to me, I know these dudes really, really love what they do. And when we was making these records, it's like, it's like going back and listening to a Marvin Gaye album. Like, it never, it never stops feeling good. You know, so this tour was important to us. And my thing is just to make sure that the fans feel good we try to get as many records that we know that everybody's familiar with to be heard and just give a dope performance. So it's almost like going to work still, you know? Yeah. So I know that you have a book coming out November 30th. Right now, you're working on a documentary of your, your story and your group is profiled in a kind of fictionalized Hulu, uh, I don't know, action comic, it's like a, superhero sto origin story in a sense. Um, not many people get the opportunity to look at their lives in that way. And I'm just curious if you are, you consider yourself a reflective person, 
by nature is the like writing a book an easy task is doing a documentary an easy task like are you reflective or did it take effort to kind of revisit some of these stories for you nah i'm always reflective i'm, I'm reflective on a lot of things because you know they say if a man don't know where he came from he never gonna know where he's going so i'm kind of always thinking about the evolution that got me here today you know even just being a dad and going through those chambers but you know, when it comes to just knowing that you were part of something that's dope and you know that you was influential to the world, you constantly keep thinking about trying to get better and, you know, trying to just express myself in a way to let y'all know, like, yo, this come from here. It ain't even about the money. You know, of course we wanted to make money and make millions of dollars, but more importantly, we wanted to just really do something good with ourselves, you know? Cause we was on the, the road of destruction, you know? So every time I sit back and I think like, you know, damn, shit could have turned out wrong if I didn't show up at the Wu-Tang meeting or hear one of my brothers say, nah, yo, you got it. You know, cause sometimes you, you don't really know you got it until somebody tell you. So, you know, those things right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the, the Hulu show, um, because I asked guests when they RSVP'd they could submit questions. We got a lot of questions about the Hulu show, um, but my question is really like, did you spend time with, with this actor? Do you, do you watch week to week and, and check the story? Like, he seems to like walk amazingly like you and he's funny. <laughs> like, are you he's like, do you, do you watch the show? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, some things we had to keep away from the cameras, you know, but at the same token, I like it. Do I love it? Maybe I may want it to be a little bit more good fella style, you know, because we grew up rough. You know, we, we come from a bandit town, so we was all bandits. You know, but when I look at it and it's fun, you know, it's something that you can sit down with your family with, and you know, you can get some inspirational moments in there that really happen. And then you got some stuff that, of course, this is through the eyes of RZA. You know, so RZA is painting a picture um, did we get an opportunity to work with some of the actors? Yeah, of course, you know. I sat down with Shamik and, um, you know, I remember telling him, like, you know, one thing about me back then, I, I, I was loud. You know, I always had a lot of energy. Um, guys in the crew would call me more like the, the energy bunny. Like, it was dirty, then it was me. And I guess, you know, with me, I always felt like the talent was, was in the group. It was there. So I had to constantly get dudes hyped up, talk that shit, we drinking, we smoking. You know, I remember Dirty used to always, you know, God bless his soul, he always, yo, we gonna rock niggas, we gonna, we gonna do this, we gonna do that. And I would just be the, the guy right next to him, like, yeah, y'all listening, right? Like, this shit is real, like, we, we really going for it. And you know, sometimes, one thing I learned dealing with a group, everybody is gonna be different in a way. 
Some people may be good at talking. Some people may be good at hyping you up. Some people may just be listeners, good listeners, you know. But, um, you know, like I said, talking to Shamik, I'm like, yo, bro, <laughs> you got to really show me that, that you can really play me. And uh, me knowing that he's a good actor, I believed in him, you know what I mean? I, I gave him a couple of tips about little things like, yo, you know, rock your weight, you know, you gotta get waves in your head and all that and, you know, just little funny things, but for the most, most important part, I just wanted him to be, be an actor and do what you do best. And he's doing a great job, you know, he's doing a great job, he be having me laughing. I sit down and talk, you know, me and my mom's watching this shit. I be like, yo, mom, you think he got the juice? She like, man, he, he's, he's doing good though, son, you know? But um, yeah, but like I said, as far as the show is concerned, I like it, you know, and I can sit down with my kids and we could vibe out and they could ask me stuff and I be like looking at them like, come on now, you know? But you know, of course, like I said, it's a great film, you know what I mean? It's a great movie, you know, just seeing guys come together, I think that's what everybody loves, is the fact of how we created a dynasty without even really actually being around each other every day. Like, who does that? Like, you would think that Wu-Tang was guys that hung out every day together, but it wasn't like that. You know, I walk down the street, I see meth in them, and yo, peace or whatever. Only times we probably really a kick it is like if we stop and we smoking a blunt or we going out. But the, the chemistry came from the belief. It came from the, the desire to want to say, yo, we got to get the fuck out of the projects. This is the only way that this is going to happen. And we know we all bit, we, we know we all get busy, but how busy do we really get? So it took us to huddle up and concentrate and say to ourselves, we got it. And that's one thing that I learned is that with anything that you do, if you believe in it the way you're supposed to believe in it and you believe in yourself, you can get it. It's, it's, it's there for you. And, and, and I've seen that within our family. And this, this pulled the guys closer together. So that's what I get out of the film, the Hulu series that I like is that they really showing you that we all didn't really have anything in common until we sat in a room together and started to create. Oh, there's, a, there's like other documentaries about Wu-Tang that documents not just how you came together, but different like stages, different disagreements, this and that. And I'm just wondering if having so much uh, footage out, so much of your story in public, does it help you possibly like view your members in different ways or evolve from just like, I know you as we met as kids, we rapped together, went on tour. Does it help you see any of them like as adults now or does it maybe heal any of the like issues? Does, does that, any of that happen or like change how you, you grow and see the other Wu-Tang members? I mean, you know, when I see these guys, I look at them like straight up, like these are the brothers that I always wanted. Cause you know, I grew up, I didn't have, you know, I got brothers now, but I always wanted older brothers. You know, me being the first one, you know, my younger brothers, you know, they always looked up to me, but I wanted somebody to look up to too. You know, so outside of looking at the streets and just growing up that way, I feel like these are the brothers that I always wanted 
to have around, you know, to teach me certain things. And that's, that's one thing about just the whole woo itself. It's like, these dudes is really smart. And, and I think that that was something that was needed for me. It's just to be around dudes that can answer questions and have an answer, even if it's a hypothetical conversation or whatever we may be talking about. Somebody is gonna say something that makes sense, you know, and um, like I said. And you know how to listen for that, because I remember you told me before, the listener is the learner. It's one of like your- Definitely, you know, because at, at one point I was, you know, just quiet too. Just, you know, I would, I would know how to have fun and goof off and bug out, but when it came down to the business and knowing how to really step up, I had to sit down and, and listen. You know, listen to, you know, the, the um, I call them the leaders of the crew, RZA and Jizza. You know, we love Jizza for the fact that he was already successful in his own little way. You know, being involved with the music business early. Then RZA came behind him and, you know, they were smart brothers and we just looked at them like our older brothers in a way. And we was like, yo, whatever y'all say, we gonna follow suit, you know, we gonna, we gonna respect it because experience is always the best teacher in anything. So we would sit back and just listen and, and, and agree to disagree, you know. Um, Rizzo had a vision, he, you know, this was his thing. This was, and you know, I tell people all the time, you know, um, I've been with, with Rizzo before he actually created Wu-Tang Clan. You know, when he was just on his own little thing, wanting to get a record deal. You know, I used to hang out with him because while I'm on the block fucking around out there, it started getting hot and, you know, TNT and all these motherfuckers, you know, DTs running up and down the block. My getaway was to go hang out with him. And I would see him really focusing on his craft, which was DJing, writing, making beats. Then his cousins would come by, old dirty bastard, Jizza. They'd come to the crib, and you know me, I'm just sitting there watching, like, you know, they would do all kind of shit. I'm talking about, you know, Jizza start freestyling, Dirty would start beatboxing, Rizza would start cutting. So I'm just watching these dudes, like, I'm their biggest fan. You know, I'm, I'm really their biggest fan before it actually really hit, hit. And I would tell Riz all the time, like, you special, man, you know, you special. And I think that that's where the big brother factor came in even more because he showed me something else that I didn't know that I really had, that I could really make a career out of it. And he was like, yo, you, you dope too, though. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, yeah, yo, I got a little something. I always tell people I got a little something. I never felt confident in everything that I could do because I didn't feel that I mastered it yet. But um, I watched these dudes and I just fell in love with what he was doing, what they were doing, the energy. You know, we even, we could go listen to some music and then the next day we'd be in Macy's stealing polo shirts and shit. You know, come back, we, we, we made it back, and we back in the house with them playing beats again. So I just felt like I, I, I was a, a fly on the wall sometimes, just watching these dudes and saying to myself, like, yo, 
dudes is incredible and don't even know it yet. But um, yeah, it was just watching shit. Like, what, was there a moment when, because I'm just going from what I, what I know, like RZA came to all you guys, said, give me, in the show it's five years, I don't know if it was really five years, he's like, give me, give me X amount of years of your life and I'm gonna make this, make this go. Was there a moment when you actually believed it or you were just in from? Oh, I believed it from the door. I believed it from the door because it seemed like in our neighborhood, the walls was closing real fast. Like a lot of people was getting killed, going to jail. You know, the RICO law was out, so a lot of people was getting pinned down, getting indicted, all kind of shit was going on in the neighborhood. And at the same token, we sitting here trying to, you know, come with this vision of being the first group, rap group to come from Staten Island. So once we knew that this is what we wanted to do, I was really pushing everybody to, to get involved. Like, yo, we gotta do this. Like, you know, even just talking to myself, having my own by myself meetings, like, yo, if I don't get involved with this, I might be in jail. It is what it is, you know? We kind of already knew what our destiny might have been because of the shit that we was around, but it was like, yo, I just, I just wanted out. I just wanted out of the street life because I felt like I wasn't doing what I felt I was really good at. And just RZA coming with the idea of creating a group. He called me first anyway, by the way, just to let everybody know. Nah, I'm giving y'all real shit. He called me, yo, listen, trying to start this group. And my thing is like, I told you, we, you should have been thinking about this already, you know? But at that time, he was developing his own self as an artist and it didn't play out the way he wanted it to play out. But when he came with the group thing, it was like, yo, get everybody. I'm like, yeah, now you talking that talk, you know? But I just felt like we had it but we didn't know we had it until he told us and, and, and kind of walked us into that direction. Um, I know, I mean, we don't, we don't have super long, but I wanted to ask you kind of about what you're doing today. I have a theory about um, just creativity in general. You start out as a kid doing whatever it is, for you, in your case, making music, emceeing, and it's kind of motivated by this is just what I, what I want to do, what, where else are we doing? All my, we're here, we're rapping, we're making music. For me, it was like, my friends are DJing, we're all meeting at someone's house, and we're gonna DJ just because that's what it's gonna be. It's not, the motivation is like, be, to be known, to be the best, you hope money will come from it. At a certain point, it becomes a job, and maybe the motivation of creating is monetary for real, because you may be established, you have bottom lines and all that, and then I think, you reach a certain place where either creatively you feel satisfied, you feel successful, maybe financially you're secure, and the arc changes again and you can go back to creating for the original reason of like, this is what I wanna be doing. And just from afar, it seems like in the time I've known you, I could, it seems like you may have experienced some of those traces and now with, with all these things, the wine, it's like, it feels like a re, re-energizing or uh, that, I don't know, I'm just curious what your thoughts are as a creative and someone who's been an artist for a really long time at a very high level. 
I mean, you know, when you reach a certain pinnacle in your career where people really salute you for what you've done and your influence on the game, for me, it only energizes me to want to be even more creative. You know, it, it's, it's allowing me to dream bigger and, and say to myself, yo, I could do whatever I want to do now because I showed that I could do what I wanted to do then. So that really has a lot to do with my creativity is just the people, you know, the people glorifying my energy, being around some of my peers and, you know, cause I've been around a lot of guys in the game, you know, before, and you know, I, I talk about this randomly through conversations about how I knew this guy and knew this guy and, you know, they, everybody just loved what Wu-Tang was about because we were self-made. We were, you know, guys that didn't have no support system on Staten Island when it came to getting in the game. So that was interesting to a lot of our peers and, you know, of course, you know, executives in the game. So it kind of like showed me that, you know what, we can make whatever we want to make, we, we, we can make whatever we want to make a reality as long as we stand behind it and believe what we want to do. So that's what I do today. If I sit here and say, you know, this is what I want to get into, I'm going to take it the same way how, as if when we came in the game, the same energy. It may not happen overnight, but eventually it will happen. And that's just really how I think, you know, if it's something that I really love, you know, of course, you know, dealing with the wine thing, you know, we always, when we was younger, like 17, 16 years old, we would be in our neighborhood acting like we was adults, you know, going to this liquor store, going to pick up big bottles of Colorado, you know, Rianiti on ice, remember that? Rianiti on ice, that's nice. Like, you know, all these little things right here was a part of our, our growth and development as kids. So the wine, it just, it was just something that was always attached to me in its own little way. And, um, you know, of course I love clothes, I love fashion, you know, because fashion, it really had a lot to do with the creativity, you know, when you, you feel good, you wanna do great things, you wanna, you wanna be seen. And I'm a big hip hop fan, so even if you go back to breakdancing, roller skating, you know, skateboarding, bicycling, you know, all those things were attached to me as a kid. So those things I never forget. And I tell people all the time, you know, hip hop is a culture, but it's also a way of life for, for guys that come from where we come from. You know, cause we don't, it's hard to get a job if you don't really have that job mentality you know, to work for somebody, you know? That was one thing that, that we didn't like to do. We didn't like bosses. We didn't like nobody, you know, standing over us telling us, yo, you're fired or whatever the case may be. So we kind of like didn't think that that was our path. So we rather take the, the negative path. We rather take the hard path and say, well, yo, consequence come with it, hey, but least, at least we went for it, you know what I mean? So it was just all about the belief of what it is that we wanted to do and went after it. Oh, I just, I wanna ask you two more things. Some of you touched on 
Um, you mentioned being a dad earlier, and I remember when I was telling you that I was gonna have a baby, and you were like, man, you're gonna, you're gonna be a millionaire. Like, you're gonna be a millionaire. And that, I haven't forgotten that. Your son is here. I'm gonna ask him later what he thinks of the Hulu show. And uh, only built for Cuban links so far. We'll, we'll, we'll ask him. But how have you learned? I think a lot of creative people also struggle, struggle with the creative side or this idea, like workaholic side. And then you gotta strip all that off at some point and just be a regular person, be a dad, be a mom, husband, wife, whatever. Um, have you gotten better at that? How, how has that been for you? You know, it's, it's still a process, you know. Um, you know, dealing with being a celebrity and then coming home after being a dad and especially a hands-on dad is, is very hard, you know, especially when you're an artist and you constantly, you know, moving around, doing shows and all of that. So when I came home and got a chance to be a dad, finally, I had to come back and say, yo, that Superman suit got to go in another room because I don't want my kids to just look at me like life is so easy and this is this is who my dad is. No, I'm your, I'm your dad first. You know, um, just really having to sit down and really talk to them about life and letting them know that things didn't come as easy as it may seem. You know, it's not easy, man. You know, anybody in here, I'm sure, that's a dad, a mom. Y'all know we still learning every day. We, we, we're learning, it never stops. And um, you know, I just had to really say to myself, like, you know, I have to take more time out and be around them so they'll know who daddy is and not so much of who Raekwon is, you know? Like when I had my boy, cause you know I got three kids. You know, I have one son and two girls. And, um, you know, me and this guy, we, we talk all the time and I, I give him tough love and let him know, like, you know, things is not easy and, you know, you gotta be willing to go out there and work for anything that you believe in, but it starts from confidence. You know, I learned to be confident early because I was around a, a group of guys that always wanted something. So, you know, I try to distill that in them, having friends. You know, y'all gonna make, make decisions sometimes that may not be the best decision, but guess what? That's a part of life. If it works, it works. If it don't, don't give up. You know, you go back out there and, and, and you give it your all. You know, the same way for me. You know, I, I had to really just say, yo, take a couple of bumps and bruises to you know, get everything smooth the way I wanted it to be. But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's tough being a dad. You know, you want the best for your kids, but you also want to prepare them for, for tomorrow because we always tell them we're not going to be here forever. I can't, I can't hold your hand forever. It's like, it's like, it's like a, a bird in a nest and he runs out and he comes back and feeds the family and then they get to that level to where they get ready to fly out. They get ready to dip, and you know when they dip, that's when it's like, yo, did I do what I was supposed to do? Did I make sure that I gave them the, 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 the jewels and the energy? So like I said, sometimes you have to take that Superman suit off and deal with your kids and let them know 
you know, life is for real. You know, life is serious, and you know that's 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 what I, what I talk about with all my kids. You know. Uh, last question for you, and then we can have another drink. You can say what's up to people. Uh, I know you're you were a big Run DMC fan. Oh, we talked a lot about about that. I was listening to an interview with DMC, and he said he got back from a tour, and his friend picked him up in Queens. And there was new music on the radio, and he was like, yo, what is that? And his friend was like, oh, that's Rakim. This came out while you were on tour. And DMC thought immediately, like, damn, I'm done. I need to, like, switch it up. He noticed the shift immediately in hip-hop. And I'm just wondering if any groups, rappers, MCs, I know you're a huge fan of just hip-hop in general. Have you ever experienced that moment? I'm sure your career is, like, many ebbs and flows, but, like, have any groups or times where you're like, I think hip hop might be going a different direction than what I'm going. Have you ever experienced something similar to, to that moment? I mean, we was so much into hip hop because it was a way to escape the poverty energy um, of being in the communities with nothing to do. You know, we never really had like YMCA and all that type of shit in our community, so automatically we was coming out the house and getting involved with what was in front of us, which was a lot of negative shit, but I just think that my the guys who I admired was Run DMC, of course, you know, just seeing guys and finding out where they from, they from, where they, oh, they from Queens. Oh shit, I used to live in Queens, you know? Things start hitting you because you start realizing that these guys coming out of the same communities that you come out of and they doing their thing. And when you know that and you feel like, yo, it's somebody that knows somebody that knows an artist, it does something to you automatically because you feel like, wow, how did you, how did you meet that person? Or how did you get the opportunity? No, he's from the hood. He's, he's right from here with us. He's, that's where he's from. Oh, I gotta go. You know, we were, we were the type of guys that we'd get on the train just to go to Queens and just LL, you know, run the MC, go right to their projects just to walk by, just to be like, wow, that's something to talk about in the, in the, in the neighborhood when we get back home. But, um, you know, like I said, just that whole 88, 87, 86 era, it was special to us because a lot of these guys come from the same shit we came from. You know, they was teaching us how to dress. They was teaching us how to put words together. They was answering a lot of questions within the music. I don't care if you go all the way back to, you know, Will Smith, the Fresh Prince. Parents just don't understand. It's like, you look at your mom's like, she be like, I'm gonna bust that ass tonight. You, you think you gonna get away with it, and then you just be like this. I know I'm gonna get that ass whooping. But parents just don't understand, man. Yeah, fuck it, you know? But that, that's just how it was. But, but you never felt like a time where hip-hop went in a direction that's like, you thought about you as an artist, do I fit in in this? And I always fit in, I always felt like hip-hop represented everything. It represented style, it represented creativeness, you know, it represented everything to me, so it was something that I didn't have to think about too much. You know, it was just, 
it was always written out. I don't care if it was a song with Saul and Pepper, you know, she talking about, I'll take yo man. You know, these records was just reflections of the communities. And I just felt like it was a dictionary in a way for the streets and for every, everybody who loved music. You know, when we sit back and we listen to soul music, you know, I'm a big R&B soul guy. I love, I love all that shit, like Patti LaBelle, Marvin Gaye, all that. They were expressing what they were dealing with in their time, you know, talking about certain things and, you know, so I always felt like it was, it was a reincarnation of music being made. You know, Stevie Wonder, you know, they was all just talking about reflections of their lives. So music to me, it didn't really have no boundaries. It was just answering everything. You just had to know the right music to listen to. That, that's what it was. And Wu-Tang is forever, so they'll always be there, forever. Um, Ray, I, want, I could, I mean, you and I have talked about hip hop just privately for, for hours, so we could continue. I'm gonna let you get back to uh, enjoying and let the people here enjoy some drinks. I wanted to ask you this though, the first time we chatted uh, way back, you, you said, my group's legendary, I got a way to go, I gotta prove myself. That was like 2010 maybe. And you were just becoming independent, you were like, I can move how I wanna move. Then we checked back in 2017, did a chat, you said, I'm a baby legend. 2021, wine, star character of a TV show, book coming, more classic albums, touring still. Are you, do you feel now adolescent legend, preteen lesson legend, adult legend, where, how you feel today? First grade legend. First grade legend. <laughs> First grade. First grade, you know. Um, the key thing is just to, to get older and, and, you know, look, look through the eyes of your family and um, just make sure that they're on the right path, you know. I remember I told my son one time, I said, Everything, I said, son, you gotta understand. Our family, we didn't come from kings and queens. We were kings and queens at heart, but I mean the, the riches, we really grew up poor. I said, today, your dad is the king of his family. And um, I'm talking about my moms, my kids, Anybody that's pretty much in my family, I tell them, now you have a king that did this work to stand the way I stand now to make sure that this legacy stays on this course. I said, it's important that I instill that in you because if you drop the ball after all the work that I did, what goes to say another king or queen may come around. It's not easy, you know? It's not easy to get to a certain level and keep it there, and that's what I feel my job is, to make sure that he's prepared for tomorrow. My daughters is prepared for tomorrow, and my, my legacy and my inheritance that I would 
give them, it's gonna help them. But it's bigger than just actually thinking that somebody's gonna give it to you. You know, I want you to earn it. I want you to get out there and be the best because you was, you was advised by somebody who did something great. But if you're not thinking like that, it's an opportunity that may pass you and where we stand today may not be set up for the next generation to come. Like, I wanna make sure that that Woods, that Woods legacy, it, cause you know that's my last name, I wanna make sure that it's gonna be okay for the next 100 years. And it starts from what I, what I created. You know, I gave my family an opportunity to hold their head up high and you know, like I said, you know, I got my brothers with me, they in the business. I got another brother back home that's doing tons of work in the community, you know. So to me, this is where my blessings come in because everything that I'm putting out there to my family is being reciprocated to me as well based on the things that they're doing. You know, I got my younger brother with me, you know, Don, Don Perrion over there. Got my other brother Supreme right there. Perry, my man, other sure. brother B.I. right there. These are, you know, these are these are my brothers, man. And we all have the same goal. We want to take care of our family. That's that's the key thing, you know. But um, like I was saying, tell my son, yo, you dropped the ball. You you may not make it easier for the next generation of our families to come up. So it's important that. I stay on them, you know what I mean? I call it tough love. You know, these kids today, they so different that if we don't really toughen up on them, you know, they may think that life is just so easy because they think that we have it so, we have it so good. But I tell them all the time, yo, I get up every day, this is what I do. I, I, I work for us, us, not me, you know? And um, it's just all about constantly staying on them, communicating. Now I understand. Um, I want to thank you for coming and sharing some of these stories with us here tonight. I want to really thank everybody though that came in and enjoyed Definitely. with us. Definitely. Shout out Puma, shout out Juggernaut. You know what I mean? Closed session, the Barrel House, GCI family. I love y'all, you know. Always showed us love, man. And um, you know, like I said, for the most part, of course you, Alex, everything you've been doing, man, closed session, it's like it's beautiful. And I always knew you, you know what I mean? You was a great man anyway, so I'm proud of you as well, bro. That's what's up, man, thank you. <laughs> That's what's up. Um, but Ray, man, thank you for real. For, uh, also to echo, thank you, Juggernaut, Dark Matter, Topo Chico. Topo Chico, yes, yes. The water crew, yeah. The real water crew, cheers, you know? Uh, before, before you go, I think we, uh, we're on last call. We do have to be out of here at 9.30. I don't know what time it is. Currently, get a drink. Before you leave, please see me in this back. We got some great gift bags with a special 101 hat from Juggernaut some vinyl, various gifts from everyone taking part, but can we give Ray a shout, a, a round of applause? Thank you so much, man. Salute, y'all, salute, thank you. I hope y'all enjoyed the Lakata too. I hope y'all enjoyed the product. Thank you, for real, it means a lot. 
And that motherfucking ice cream cone, that shit. Oh yeah, wait, wait, wait. Can, can, can we, hold up. Can we get a big round of applause for Brian Fisher? I think he's in the back. I don't know where he is, but. Shout out to the master chefs. Yo, he killed it. Did his thing, no doubt. This interview was recorded by Dark Matter Coffee. Music provided by Boathouse. Special thanks to Dave Jeff, Brian Fisher, Fly, Juggernaut, Topo Chico, Puma, and Goose Island for making this possible. I'm your host, Alexander Fruchter. Thank you for listening.